Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The 168th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win 54 to 53. North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to worthy. Worthy five. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champions. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today to get you ready for Carolina and Alabama. They will play um, on Sunday afternoon at 3.30 as Carolina will look to bounce back against the Crimson Tide and, and secure a third place finish at the Phil Knight Invitational, and we're here to to break down the opponent, get you up to date on everything you need to know about the Tar Heels, give our keys to the game, and more. But before we do any of that, we do, as we always do in a preview edition of the pod, we start with the pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And uh, I think this one from John Wooden, was very accurate for where this team is right now. And I and I believe Hubert Davis would probably feel the same way. The legendary UCLA basketball coach was quoted saying as such, you can't let praise or criticism get to you. It's a weakness to get caught up in either one. And, buddy, if you remember last year, uh, Hubert Davis, his coin phrase – outside of live action or play with energy, effort, and toughness was to block out the noise. No sideshow distractions. And last year it was a bunch of negativity um, for guys like me who host a podcast, uh, national people as well, because this was a Tar Heel team that, you know, until March, frankly, underachieved in a lot of people's eyes and didn't have the the type of year. I didn't play the the type of basketball we're used to seeing from Carolina. Um, and then it all changed, and Carolina went on that magical run. Carolina then brings everybody back to try to get back to the Final Four, and all that negativity turned into positivity. 
and the same guys that you know were, were negative last year were being positive and telling them how good they are, how great they're going to be, um, that they were going to win a national championship and so on and so forth. And make no mistake about it, like as much as we like the way this team handled the the media tours at ACC Media Day, something I got to see up close uh, and, and personal. This this team was playing as with, with the, the with the burden of everyone else's expectations. They were getting caught up last year. They were they were trying to block out the criticism. This year, the the the, the challenge is to block out all the praise. And I think it was very clear through the first five six games that it was something that was hurting this team in a negative way. And even though this team is is coming off a loss, we're confident that this might be what this team needed to get them playing just a better brand of basketball. Yeah, I told you, you know, after the third game of the season against Gardner-Webb that it looked like a team that was just kind of worried about being – about people being right, that were doubting that they were the number one team in the country. And now, I mean, it's it's pretty clear. I mean, it was clear to us, I think, after the Portland game as well – but now there's there's no doubt that this is not the number one team in the country. And to a certain extent, maybe it is a good thing. Maybe that is what these guys ultimately need to kind of get themselves in a good spot mentally to be able to, you know, do the things that we wanted them to be able to do in the preseason. Um, again, I think when you look at what at, at this team, I think part of it is that they are just adjusting to what it's like to be coached as a team that has expectations. They they got used to how they were coached a year ago. And how they were coached a year ago was, hey, we're we're a team that's still building. And during the run, it was, hey, we're a team that is on a magical run to the final game of the season. This year, it's it's different, and Hubert Davis told us that, and he told his players that in the summer, that, look, you have expectations. Your goal, as stated by you and, you know, uh, the leaders on this team, is that we want to get back to the final Monday of the season, and this time we want to win it. So... If that's your goal, that's how you're going to be coached. And I think that's part of the th- that that's one of the things that you're seeing with this team is that they're they're not they they have not adjusted to the way that Hubert Davis is coaching them differently. It's taking them some time. Um and, and you know, again, I, I think the other thing that we're seeing is that it's a team that I think thought they were going to pick up right where they left off last year. That has not been the case because, one, it's really hard to pick up right where you left off after, you know, it it was a seven-month break that you had in between the time that you played in the national championship game and the time that you started this season. And, you know, the other thing is that you did lose a key piece, and we're seeing how important that piece was in Brady Manning. Pete Nance, look, he's done some good things. He's had two games where he has lit it up on the offensive end. And overall, I think he's been pretty solid. But he's a different type of player. He is not, you know, he he doesn't have the same 
I think, leadership quality, at least early on, that Brady Manick does. And, and to a certain extent, I think the other part of it is that, hey, man, th- th- it's going to take him time to settle in, just like it did with Brady Manick a year ago, just like it did early in the year with Dawson Garcia. It, you, it, This is a new element that you have with the transfer portal is, yes, you're going to get really good players out of there, but especially for these power programs, it's going to take time for guys to settle in. So maybe this loss can sort of get everybody refocused, sort of calm, you know, this group down and not, you know, show them that, look, even though we lost, it doesn't mean that this season is over, that we still can't chase our goal of winning a national championship. And hopefully it will allow them to sort of settle into the groove that we thought uh, we were going to see this team in from the word go this year. Well, if, if that's going to happen, they're going to have to play much better because their next opponent is a really good one. Um, Alabama enters with a 5-1 and one record overall. They got to the third-place game of the Phil Knight Invitational by beating Michigan State 81-70 to in the opening round. And, you know, we, we've all seen Sparty. I mean, they took Gonzaga toe-to-toe. They beat Michigan State in the Champions Classic. So Tom Izzo's squad – is off to a pretty strong start. And then they lost last night to a UConn team that has really been one of the more impressive teams uh, nationally um, early on here in the first month of the season. The thing about Alabama is they only have two players averaging double-figure scoring, that being forward Brandon Miller, who's averaging 20.5 points per game, 9.2 rebounds, He's shooting 45% from the field and 52% from three. And then Mark Sears, their guard, 12.7 points, 5.3 boards, 3.3 assists. He's shooting 38% and 35% from behind the arc. You know, this has been an Alabama team that whenever Nate Oaks got there, this was a team that liked to get out and run and play an NBA style of basketball. They still like to do a lot of the same things, but a little bit more of a defensive-minded team, a very physical team, just like Carolina saw in Iowa State. Um, This is the best rebounding team Carolina has seen so far in the season. Alabama ranks in the top three in every rebounding category in the country. They lead the nation in total rebounds per game at 49.8 per game. They're third in offensive rebounds at 16.3 and they're second in defensive rebounds at 33 and a half. I mentioned, you know, they play with with an NBA model. That means more on the offensive end because this team loves to shoot the, the long ball. They're they're only 45th in the country in makes at 9.7 per but they're 23rd in attempts at 28.3. So nearly almost 50% of their shots come from behind the free uh, the, the three-point line. Um, they are fifth in the country in blocks per game at 6.7, and they are holding opponents to just 34% shooting from the field overall. That's seventh best in the country, and only 36% from inside, inside the three-point line. That is second best in all of college basketball. Let's take a look at this game from Carolina's perspective. Carolina will still be ranked number one in this matchup. They will not fall until 
Uh, the, the, the new poll comes out on Monday. They're coming off their first loss of the season, and they also come in with a 5-1 and one record, having beaten Portland in the opening round, and we all saw what Portland did to Villanova yesterday. Um, so I, I think it makes it a little bit more understandable why Carolina was played so tough by the Pilots. But as we know, Carolina did lose yesterday to Iowa State 70-65, and that's how they wound up playing for third place. The Tar Heels have four players averaging double figure scoring, still led right now by Caleb Love, 17.7 points, 4.2 boards, 3.3 assists. His shooting numbers, though, continue to be underwhelming, just 44% from the field, 24% from three. Armando Baycott is second on the team in points at 16.2 points per game. He's still averaging 11.5 rebounds while shooting 56% from the floor. R.J. Davis is third on the team in scoring, 15.2 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, three assists, but just 41% shooting from the field and 27% from behind the three-point line. And lastly, uh, Pete Nance is the last guy averaging double figures and scoring 13.2 points, 4.7 boards. He's been Carolina's most efficient player, shooting 50%, 56% from the field and 46% from three. The only category that Carolina really shows up in a positive way nationally is from the free throw line where they are fifth in made free throws per game at an even 20. And they are seventh in free throws attempted per game at 27.3. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, we'll dive in more to our keys to the game and pick the game and more on the Four Corners podcast back after this message from DraftKings. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. So whether you're betting on just a straight up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. 
Really hope you guys have taken great advantage of all the great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Get over to DraftKings, use those promo codes, take advantage of those offers, make some smart bets, and get some extra uh, cash in your pocket for the holiday season. Well, buddy, as you could imagine, the first key to the game I have written down on our show sheet here is rebound, rebound, and rebound. And this one applies. I mean, this is this is the best rebounding team Carolina has seen so far this season. They just came off a, a, a game against Iowa State where Iowa State was the fourth best rebounding team in terms of offensive rebounds per game, but they weren't a complete rebounding machine. Carolina has now won the rebounding margin in four straight games. Um, that was something that, you know, we were really discouraged by at the start of the season. They've really started to round into form on that end of the court. But as they stand right now at averaging 38.2 points per game, that's 120th in the country. And, you know, I just read you the numbers from for Alabama as a rebounding team where they're averaging 49.8 rebounds per game. So they, they, they come in with a plus 11 margin on averages against or, or or over Carolina. Armando Baycott's rounded into form. I mean, he's averaging 11 and a half boards. He's Carolina's best rebounder. We've seen good efforts from guys this year. Caleb Love's had a double-digit rebounding game. R.J. Davis has. Leaky Black has had a career high. This feels like a game where Pete Nance has to really be a factor on the boards because I think we have enough trust and faith in the backcourt to go rebound the ball because they've they've displayed that so far this season. Pete Nance is averaging less than five rebounds per game. With his size and length, frankly put, that's not good enough. And, you know, Brady Manick wasn't a guy that was – you know, a an, an elite rebounder, but it felt like in games where he had to go get to the board, he got there. This game feels like Pete Nance. He's broken out on the offensive end. This has to be a game where he imposes his will on the defensive end of the court. He's he's tough and physical, gets box out, and has to give. I feel like he has to give Carolina a double digit rebound game to give them a chance to win. Yeah, I mean that could be asking a, a lot. From him, I mean, look, this is just, I mean, to a certain extent, I think this is kind of just who Pete Nance is. Um, but when he came to Carolina, you know, you, you thought this was a guy that would at least be able to give you what you saw a year ago from Brady Manick. And it, that hasn't happened. And look, this isn't, well, we've gotten into conference play and some of these physical ACC teams have really just caused him problems. No, we're we're talking about mid-majors have been able to pretty much eliminate him on the glass. Um, he, he has not been able to get position on a lot of these guys, and he can't handle the physicality. So, I mean, yeah, you you can hope that that's what's going to happen. I think it more the more realistic scenario is you need Leaky Black to be the guy that we saw, you know, against – James Madison, um, you need that more often. I don't know, like 12 rebounds every single game. That's probably asking a lot, especially for a guy that's playing the three. But I think you need to see him probably step up and be your your consistent number two rebounder. Um, you know, the thing I, I thought, you know, against Iowa State, 
I, I thought Carolina rebounded the ball pretty well for most of the night, but I think what they what the, they have to eliminate is we saw again early in the second half, Iowa State got some key offensive rebounds that helped them to get second chance points um, that, that kind of kept them in the game because if Carolina is able to get some of those rebounds and convert on the other end, Carolina at least establishes a bigger cushion and it would have, it would have given them a pretty good chance to hold on and win that game. So that's the area where I think Carolina has to take a step forward is they have to rebound for 40 minutes. I think we've seen over the last couple of games that Carolina has done a really good job overall rebounding. But the thing is, is that you cannot have those stretches where you just allow multiple offensive rebounds, multiple second chances for the team, uh, for, for the opponent, because it seems like that, you know, it, it, the in this game the other day against Iowa State was the difference. So we'll, we'll see. I, I think – you know, they, this team is is definitely looking more like the team that we saw last year in terms of how they're rebounding the ball. Um, as you said, Armando Baycott has definitely woken up, and I think that's what you hope is going to carry over for the rest of the season. But this is going to be a, a really tough test. That's the one thing that, you know, we, we haven't really seen Carolina face a team that can just – uh, that that is really one of the better teams in the country at rebound, and they are going to have to face some really good rebounding teams moving forward. So this will be a good test for them. I think you should feel pretty confident with what we've seen the last three games from Carolina um, that they will be able to get it done. But the thing is, is you know who who steps up to help Armando Baycott because it can't just be him on the glass. Yeah, and, you know, look, Carolina only gave up 10 offensive rebounds against Iowa State yesterday, um, so six below their average. And Carolina only gave up six second chance points off those offensive rebounds. But it's kind of like when I when I told you those numbers, they just felt they just felt like more. They felt demoralizing um, every time it felt like Carolina would play good defense for 25 to 30 or for, you know, 25 seconds, force a, you know, a tough shot. You don't get the rebound. And then all of a sudden you, you got to do it all over again. And and that's the thing about it is that, and we know this because of how important rebounding is to our program. And, you know, Alabama's going to come in with that same type of mindset. So this has to be an effort one through five, you know, headlined by, you know, Armando Baycott, but spearheaded by Pete Nance that they're, they're going to own the glass. Cause I do feel like if, if, if they win the rebounding margin, their chances of winning improved dramatically the second key to the game is three-point defense um and I think the biggest thing about it is that you know look Carolina's numbers you know they they entered the tournament only giving up 29 percent three-point percentage they allowed Portland to shoot 38 percent and then Iowa State shot 45 the thing about this game for Carolina is it is just I think it's going to be an, an awareness because this Alabama team is not going to be discouraged by, by, by not taking them. If they miss them, they are going to shoot them and they're going to shoot a lot of them. And so I think that's got to be the thing that Carolina is mindful of. If this team come out and come out, comes out and starts two for 10 or three for 15, 
you would probably think, oh, they're going to probably quit shooting them. No. And so this has got to be something where Carolina, first off, applies, a, a, you know, some pressure in the backcourt. They close out strong um, when, whenever they, they do double team and they leave a man open. And, you know, this 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 might be a game where Heber Davis may have to go zone. I, I thought, you know, specifically in the Portland game, they were going to have to go zone because the way Portland was running their action, I never really felt that same way yesterday with Iowa State. But the thing about Alabama that's different from these two teams, and look, Nate Oates is a heck of a coach. They've got a day off in between games. No lie that he's going to look at the film and try to replicate what those two teams that did. But Portland and, and Iowa State play team basketball. That Alabama plays a lot of isolation, one-on-one ball. So there's not going to be a whole lot of ball screen action that Carolina is going to have to defend with. That means you've got to defend the ball a lot better and stay in front of it. If not, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hubert Davis stick them in a two-three zone uh, to to try to not let his defense get you know exposed even more than they already have so far in Portland. Well, if if you know, look if if you're not seeing the screen action that you saw in the last two games, that would be big because that has really hurt this team in each of the last two games. I told you when we were recapping the game last night, I said, look, this is a team that last year we got frustrated with how much they would switch at times. This year, we're not switching enough. They're, I mean, they almost never switch. And you're seeing teams that are taking advantage of that, especially on Leaky Black. That's the guy that it seems like they have tried to go after the most in terms of how they screen. And they've done a good job of eliminating him. Carolina is just so focused on trying to keep Leakey on the guy that he is defending no matter what. And I think that you're you're seeing right now that that is, that is not working out at times. It's allowing for teams to be able to free themselves up and knock down easy shots from the outside. And, yeah, in this game, that's that's got to be, you know, something – I get it. This is a team that plays a lot more one-on-one basketball, but you're you're right. This is, you know, Nate Oates is a really good coach. There's a day off in between. And this, you know, the the way that this tournament is set up, it allows for you to be able to scout teams a little bit a, a little bit easier. And you better believe that they are going to see how Carolina has struggled to handle the pin down screens the elevator screens and it, those those are you know elements that could pop up again but you know i think overall carolina's three point defense you know look early in the year it was really really solid and i thought you know even against a team like james madison who was shooting the ball extremely well from beyond the arc coming in. I thought Carolina was really, really good in that game. Um, I know that they hit five in the first half on on Carolina, but I I think just overall they did a good job of defending the three-point line. Once they got out here to Portland, though, it seems like a lot of things have changed. Maybe that is just the screening action, but I think that Carolina has just been out of position at times. They haven't closed – uh, you know, closed out as well as they were, or you know, in the first four games of the season. And I think that's something that Carolina has to get back to 
in this game because, yeah, if you let this team heat up from beyond the arc, it's going to be hard to go blow for blow with this team. You're you're not you're not shooting terribly from beyond the arc, but you're not in the rhythm that you were last year. You don't have Brady Manic. I get that you got Pete Nance who's shooting pretty well, but that Pete Nance is is not Brady Manic, and you you can't just put the game in his hands and let him take over from beyond the arc. Um, he can knock down those shots while he's out there, but ultimately I, he's not a guy that I think you are running your offense for uh, to knock down shots from the outside. So Carolina's got to be able to find a way to force this Alabama team to go inside, to do things that they're not comfortable with, because if you let them heat up from beyond the arc, it's going to basically be the same type of game that you have played the first two games out in out in Portland. And look, the first game, you were clearly more talented than Portland, and that's what carried you. The second game, you weren't the, the, the talent gap wasn't uh wasn't the same, and you saw what the difference was. That was the toughest opponent that you played all season, and you know, they were able to find a way to beat you because of it. This game, look, Alabama is a legitimate basketball team and eight Oates has done a tremendous job there that's a team that to be honest with you I mean I know Kentucky is off to a really good start to the season but I, I think you know Alabama's probably they might be their biggest threat I know Tennessee is right there but Alabama might be their biggest threat in the SEC so this will easily be the most talented team that you will play and if you let this team sort of get hot from behind the arc it's, this could be an ugly one if you're not careful. The last key I have written down is given the the the, sh the perimeter shooting woes and just how important Armando Baycott is to this team is Carolina has got to play inside out. You know, Armando Baycott, you know, only took six shots in yesterday's game against Iowa State, and it wasn't like he was being inefficient. And so part of that is, you know, Armando Baycott is a four-year player, he is the best player on this team. He's an All-American candidate. I'd like to see him be a lot more demanding of the ball, but it was also a guard thing yesterday. You got to think, Carolina was in the bonus at the 13:47 mark of the first half, and they were in the double bonus at the under-12 mark of the second half. And instead of Caleb Love and R.J. Davis driving the ball to the rim, they settled for contested outside jump shots that were not falling. And that's something that I'm I'm sure is going to be addressed over the day off when they go back and, and they and, and they break the film down. But but Carolina's got to start getting to the rim and and start playing inside out. They only had 24 points in the paint yesterday. And, and so, you know, we we saw this offense explode against the College of Charleston. You saw this offense do some really nice things against James Madison. Against Portland, they were you know, there was the most efficient offense we have seen them play so far this season from a field goal percentage standpoint. The common thread in those three games was that Carolina was living in in inside the painted area and getting to the rim and finishing. Carolina's got to be the aggressor. I think that's something that Hubert Davis has gotten so frustrated with his team this so far this year is that they haven't been the enforcer. They haven't been the team that is forcing the issue, dictating time or, or tempo and pace and everything like that. 
RJ Davis, Caleb Love, they've got to get aggressive. They got to get downhill. And then on the flip side, when Armando Baycott gets the ball, he's got to reward him. He's got to be tough enough to finish through contact. He's got to be more efficient at the rim. Same thing goes for Pete Nance. This feels like for Carolina, you know, because because Alabama has size. They have length. They're not going to be overwhelmed by Carolina's presence. But it feels like Carolina's got to get 36, 38, 40 points in the paint because right now this team isn't shooting the three ball well enough to kind of, you know, even out the perimeter shooting. If they come out here and they score 22, 24 points in the paint, it's going to be a really hard way to envision this team emerging as 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 the victors in this contest. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, look, I, I it, it, it sucks because I think that in the game against Portland, I thought this team did some really good things from the perimeter, but I think you're right. I think this is a game where you just have to put the ball inside and you have to let Armando Baycock go to work. Um, you know, we saw it earlier in the year in a couple of games where Carolina just made it a focus to get the ball inside to him, and it, it paid dividends. He he really was able to work some of these teams inside, and I just – that has not been the game plan, it, it seems, so far this year. And, look, teams have done a good job of doubling him and, you know, co causing him issues, especially, I mean, the last two games, you know, Carolina has gotten the ball to him a few times inside and he's, he's turned it over. So he's got to be stronger with the ball. There's no doubt about that. And that's something that if he, do, if, if he can't do that, it's going to be hard to keep saying, hey, get the ball inside to him. But at the same time, I mean, it, it, look, you said it at the start of the podcast. Caleb Love, R.J. Davis are really good players. Armando Baycott is your best player. There is no doubt about that. So you need to be getting this guy touches inside just about every time that you go down the court. And I think that that's that Carolina's got to do that in this game because. You no, know, you. I, it, it's if you're trying to force things from the outside, it just it, it has not worked so far this year. You're not in enough of a rhythm to be able to take these long shots and knock them down consistently. And I think that's you know something that we've seen on and off throughout this year is that there have just been times where they are trying to force things from beyond the arc. They're trying to get back into, you know, the shooting rhythm that we saw them get into late last year from beyond the arc that allowed them to make the run that they did. I, you've got the guys that are capable of eventually getting back to that, but right now things are not falling from the outside. So yeah, I, I want to see them put the ball inside and play through Armando Baycott, but He's got to be able to take care of the basketball, I think, for these guys to trust that they can get the ball into him over and over again, and he can consistently make something happen. Carolina enters with just a 39.4% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's College Basketball Power Index. So, um, you know, you, their their analytics tell you that, that Alabama is a really good team, and they are a – a team more than capable of winning of winning this game. Carolina saw the best team they've seen so far this this season against Iowa State. They got beat. I think Alabama is better 
than Iowa State. But Carolina does have a day off in between games to kind of recuperate. They'll they'll be able to look at the film, break down what went right, what went wrong, and and, and try to start finding some answers to to their questions. I think Carolina wins the game. Do I think they play their best basketball in this game? No, because the way Alabama plays is they're really going to dictate the game. I I think this will be a game that will come down to the under four-minute timeout. And like Hubert Davis uh, said in his post-game press conference yesterday after the loss to Iowa State, he was like, you know, just because we're experienced doesn't mean we're going to execute every single time. Hopefully the next time we're in this situation, we can we can execute differently. And so I think that's what's going to happen. I think you're going to see a team that will be a lot more poised and under control in that under four-minute timeout. They won't take bad shots. They won't rush their offense. And they'll get the stops they'll need to get defensively. And they'll emerge from this two and one with something to build off of and knowing that, you know, they still have what it what it takes. Cause if if they lose this game and you just project forward, things could get kind of out of hand kind of quickly because you got to go to Indiana on Wednesday night, a place that historically not very kind to Carolina. And then on Sunday, you're on the road in ACC play in Blacksburg, Castle Coliseum, a place that Carolina's record, rather impressive. But those of us that have watched Carolina basketball for the last 15 years know how hard it is to go into that building and get a win. And so I think you're going to see Carolina's big three bounce back, that being Baycott, Love, and Davis. I think you'll see more from Pete Nance. I think Leaky Black will, will make the plays he has to make. Not really sure what the bench is going to do in this game because they're so hit and miss right now. But I do think Carolina bounces back and gets their first real signature marquee win of the season. I agree. I I think that, again, I I said to you after the Gardner-Webb game, I thought that the best thing that that could happen to this team was for this team to lose a game somewhere along the way. Um, and look, it sounds weird, but it's really just a mindset thing. It's a team that looks like they were playing with the weight of the world on their back because of the fact that they had that number one ranking beside them. They didn't want people to be right that doubted them. And now I think, look, they they just have to realize that you're going to lose games along the way. It ultimately, it doesn't mean that the ultimate goal of winning a national championship is not attainable because you lose one game. And hopefully that's what ended up happening, you know, when they lost last night and as they sit here this morning. I think that is what happened. I think that Hubert Davis is going to have these guys motivated and ready to go. And I I think you're going to see them play probably their best game of the season. The most frustrating part about yesterday was I thought for the majority of this game – Carolina probably played one of their best games of the season, especially with the opponent that they were playing being the toughest that they faced this year. But when it mattered the most, Carolina was not able to make the plays that they were able to make in all the other games this year. I'm with you. I think that this is a team that's going to get back to playing clutch basketball when they need to down the stretch of the game. I think that you're going to see – 
really the big three step up, no doubt about it. I think there's a chance that this could be another one of those Pete Nance games where he plays extremely well on the offensive end of the floor. But yeah, the one thing that does concern me about this team, and I think what's one of the biggest issues about this team overall right now is the bench and the lack of consistency, really just the lack of overall scoring that they have coming off the bench. They have to be able to find that. Hopefully that can sort of emerge in this game. I think as we continue to progress through the season, I think that you're going to see Puff Johnson settle into his role a little bit more. You know, coming off yet another injury, I think he'll eventually start to look more of the part. And hopefully you'll see a couple other guys emerge. I think Carolina, though, gets it done in this game due to the starters and they find a way to exit Portland at two and one. Uh, something that I think, you know, we, we have to be pretty satisfied with overall with where this team is at right now, not quite in the rhythm that we thought they would be early in the year. No matter what happens on Sunday afternoon, we will have you covered over at HeelToughBlog.com where it hasn't been the best sports weekend for us over there where Tar Heel football uh, lost on Friday night. And, of course, Carolina basketball got beat on Friday night as well, but we've had you covered with everything regarding the Phil Knight Invitational. Anthony has you covered on the football thing with the recap of NC State. There will be a trench report and a stock report that will be written and posted as well, and I'll have you covered with uh, the Alabama game. So find all that great football and basketball coverage. That's HeelToughBlog.com. And as for the podcast, you guys now know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast where we will pop up, We where you can rate and review the podcast. But most importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I do want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.